Welcome to the Daily Office Lectionary. I'm Father Reed. This week, we're going to look at scriptures from Sunday to Saturday, proper 19. You'll see the scriptures in your post, and you'll see a, an Old Testament scripture, and we will be looking at 1 Kings 19 through 2 Kings chapter 2. And you can see in your post New Testament scriptures, an epistle, what we call an epistle, and it's 1 Corinthians. We're going to begin 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians has 16 chapters, so there's a lot to cover here. We have looked at Philippians and James uh, in proper 18 and proper 17, and now we're going to look at 1 Corinthians for a little while. And then lastly, the gospel, and we are in Matthew. We started Matthew last time, proper 18, and we are in the fourth chapter, and we're going to be looking at chapter 4 and chapter 5. Chapter 5, 6, and 7 is the Sermon on the Mount, which I'm sure you know. If you don't, you will enjoy it very much, I believe. So, we are in 1 Kings 19, 8 to 21, and we are looking at a history book. This is a history book. The second set of readings is what we call an epistle, a letter. Paul writes to the Corinthians. Corinth is where they live. And the last book that we'll look at is called A Gospel, written by Matthew, who actually was a disciple of Jesus, one of the 12 apostles. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In Paul's letters, we start with Romans, and then the second letter uh, listed in your Bible is 1 Corinthians. We'll be looking at 1 Corinthians for a while. And then finally, back to the Old Testament. Let's look at 1 Kings 19. Now, in 1 Kings 17, we see the great oral prophet Elijah. Elijah. Now, Elijah is an oral prophet because he didn't write anything down, like Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Hosea, Zephaniah, Zechariah, Ma- uh, Zechariah Malachi, etc. The 12 minor prophets, the four major prophets. Okay, 1 Corinthians, 1 Kings 19, 8 to 21. Now, Elijah is fleeing to Horeb because Ahab told Jezebel what happened with um, the Baal incident in 1 Kings 18, and he got afraid because what Jezebel was going to do to him. So it says in verse 3, that he was afraid and he runs for his life. Verse 8, he got up and ate and drank, strengthened by that food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights. You've heard that before, 40 days, 40 nights. Jesus was in the wilderness, 40 days, 40 nights, being tempted by the devil, until he reached Oreb, the mountain of God. He went into a cave and he spent the night. Now we begin in verse 9, and the word of the Lord came to him, Where? what are you doing here, Elijah? So God's talking to Elijah in a cave. And he says, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've broken down your altars. They put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me. I'm the only one that left. It's just me, and they're trying to kill me. So after I die, it's all over. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And so God spoke to him in that way. And you get to read that for the, um, for the week 
beginning on Sunday, 1 Kings 8, 19, 8 to 21. 19, 8 to 21. And so God tells him what to do in verse 16. But in verse 18, just so you'll know, Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. I've set aside 7,000. Elijah, you're not the only one. I have, I have a remnant. And that whole idea of a remnant and, and uh, people that he saves for himself is, is very significant. You'll notice that we skipped some chapters in Kings. So let's go to 1 Kings 21, 1 to 16. And we have Naboth's vineyard. Now, Naboth's vineyard is a great, great teaching here. Uh, it was Naboth, verse 1, the Jezreelite. The vineyard was in Jezreel, close to the palace of Ahab. Remember, we just mentioned Ahab, Jezebel, who's trying to kill uh, Elijah in chapter 19. Ahab said to Naboth, let me have your vineyard to use for a vegetable garden since it's close to my palace. In exchange, I'll give you a better vineyard, or if you prefer, I will pay you whatever it's worth. And the Naboth said, verse 3, the Lord forbid that I should give you inher the inheritance of my fathers. This is my inheritance. I cannot and will not give this to you. He's upset, Ahab. He's angry. And Jezebel says, is that how you act, verse 7, as king over Israel? Get up and cheer up. I'll get you the vineyard. And she has Naboth killed. Again, a great story. She has him killed. And so Naboth was stoned and is dead, verse 14. And so she says, get up and take possession in 15. And he is no longer alive. He is dead. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite. Go down to meet Ahab. He's in Naboth's vineyard. He's gone to take possession of it. Say this to him. Now, remember, there's no phones. There's no telephones. There's no letters. There's no mail. There's no mail delivery. This is how they got information. God spoke to people. And those people spoke to the leaders and told them the word of the Lord. Now, were there false prophets? Yes, there were. But a true prophet from God was an extraordinarily important person and very powerful in Samuel, but particular first and second Kings. Have you not murdered a man and seized his property? Verse 19, then say to him, this is what the Lord says in the place where dogs licked up Naamus blood, dogs will lick up your blood. Yes, yours. You sold yourself to do evil in the eyes of the Lord. Verse 23, this is what is going to happen to Jezebel. Dogs will devour Jezebel by the wall of Jezreel. Now, folks, what I want you to remember is that God Almighty has unlimited power, unlimited sovereignty, and unlimited knowledge. He is not someone that you and I want to take on ourselves. We want to submit to him. We want to listen to him. We want to love him. We want to obey him. We want to do his will. We want him on our side. We want him to protect us. We want him to take refuge. We want him to save us. We want him to heal us. We want him to bless us. We want him to answer our prayer. Do not go against the Lord. 
do not do evil in his sight. And what kings is so great is it will show you what happens to people that obey the Lord and what happens when they don't. It's very consistent in the way that does that. Okay, so Ahab humbled himself, and because he did, this is the last verse of chapter 22, I will not bring disaster to him in this day, but I will bring it on his house in the days of his son. Now, that's another very important concept, spiritual concept in the Old Testament and in life as it is. God may not judge you directly. Remember David and Bathsheba. But he will judge the generation afterwards, or he will judge the family, or he will have some kind of judgment. Remember, that child to David and Bathsheba died. Then Solomon, they conceived again, and Solomon became the king. But then there were some extraordinary problems with Tamar, Ammon, and Absalom. Remember that? We discussed that weeks ago. So please be, please be open to the Lord. Micaiah prophesies against Ahab. And just uh, go ahead and read that. Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel in verse 5, First, seek the counsel of the Lord. Seek the counsel of the Lord. Verse 14, Micaiah is a prophet. As surely as the Lord lives, I can tell him only what the Lord tells me. Now, if you and I can just hear what God tells us, or hear the word of the Lord when we're studying the scriptures. This is why I do the daily lectionary, among other reasons. So we can hear what God is saying to us. Again, first in context, you want to get what is God saying to them at that time. Then what is God saying to me in this time? Enjoy chapter 22. Enjoy chapter 22. Now we go to Second um, Kings chapter 1. We are going to look at um, the movement from um, Elijah to Elisha. Elijah to Elisha. This is in chapter 2, and you'll find this on Saturday. Elijah is going to be taken up in heaven. Now, the only three people that I know of that were taken up in heaven, Enoch, Elijah, Jesus. Okay, now Elijah and Elisha, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? Verse 9, let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha says, a double portion of your spirit. You've asked a difficult thing, Elijah said, yet if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours, otherwise not. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them, and Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Wow! Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elijah saw him no more. Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his clothes and he tore them apart. Then he picked up the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. Watch this. He took the coat that had fallen from him, struck the water. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah? He says. He struck the water, he divided it to the right and the left, and he crossed over. So the spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. We servants have, uh, then they went out to meet him. They bowed to the ground. They said, look, we, your servants, have 50 able men. Let them go and look for your master. Perhaps the spirit of the Lord has picked them up and set them down on a mountain or a valley. And Elisha says, no, do not send them. But they uh, persisted until it was too 
until he was too ashamed to refuse. So he said, send them. And they sent 50 men who were searching for three days but didn't find him. He's in heaven. When they re returned to Elisha, who was standing in Jericho, he said to them, didn't I tell you not to go? Okay, and then we'll stop right there. Elijah had tremendous power and knowledge and wisdom. Elisha had tremendous, as we'll see when we meet again next time, we'll be looking at some scriptures about Elisha. He did some amazing miracles, all right? This was to display the power of God. This was to show the presence of God. This was to show that he is God and that we are to submit to him and believe in him and honor him and love him. First King, uh, First Kings, First uh, Corinthians, First Corinthians after Romans, chapter one. You see chapter one in your post, chapter one, one to nineteen. He's writing the people of Corinth, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Paul is verse one, and our brother Sosthenes to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ and called to be holy. We are called to be holy. We are sanctified in Christ. Sanctification means that we're being made holy. Together with everyone who call on the name of the Lord, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now then he's going to, throughout Corinthians, he's going to deal with them about issues that are in the church. He's going to answer their questions. He's going to solve lots of problems that are happening in Corinth. He is going to deal with them. So we're just kind of going to walk through that. Obviously, I can't go through every verse with you because of time constraints, but I'll hit some highlights. He says um, in verse 7, he said to the Corinthians, they do not lack any spiritual gift. Do not lack, you do not lack any spiritual gift if you, as you eagerly wait for the Lord Jesus to be revealed. This revelation is going to happen in the second coming, which has not happened yet. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is my prayer for all of us, that we are blameless. They, we are in right standing before God. When we stand before Jesus, which we all will, each of us will give an account of hit account to God. This is Romans 14, 12. We're going to give an account to God, but we want to be blameless before him. That's our prayer. God, who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, is faithful. So we pray for his faithfulness in this wonderful group of people that are listening to the Daily Lectionary series week by week. We want you to be faithful to the Lord. We want you to honor the Lord. We want you to be ready for the coming of the Lord. We want you to have your heart, your mind, your soul ready to go. Now, he's appealing to them in verse 10 in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that all of you agree with one another so there's no divisions among you and that you may be perf perfectly united in mind and thought. And that's what God wants for all of us united together. The message in verse 18 of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The cross doesn't make any sense to somebody that doesn't know Jesus, but people like ourselves that know Jesus, and I pray that you do, of course, it is the power of God in your life, and I pray that you are experiencing the power of God. And then we had this wonderful second half of 1 Corinthians chapter 1 that you see in your post, 20 to, 20 to 31. Where is the wise man, verse 20? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? Where are all these wise people? Christ is the power of God, verse 24. The wisdom of God, the foolishness of God, 25. 
is wiser than man's wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. So people think they're strong. They don't think they need God. They think they can do it on their own. No way. No way. Chapter 2. Now, chapter 1, all of chapter 1 is fabulous. Chapter 2 is fabulous. Um, Paul says in verse 2, I've resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Christ and him crucified. My message and my preaching, verse 4, not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on man's wisdom, but on God's power, the power of God. Wisdom from the Spirit. So what you and I want to have, Jesus talked about it in John 14 and 16, is the wisdom, and 15 a little bit, but mostly in 14 and 16, the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. We want to be led by the Holy Spirit. We want to listen to the Holy Spirit. He says in verse 14 of chapter 2, The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Don't make any sense. And he cannot understand them because they were spiritually discerned. He says in the last verse, We have the mind of Christ. Now, the, what you want to do in chapter 3 is you want to lay a foundation in Christ. The foundation of your life should be in Christ. He says in verse 10, I laid a foundation as an expert builder and someone else is building on it. Each one should be careful how he builds. No one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. That's the foundation of your life. And he goes on to talk about what is or should be built upon Jesus. Do not deceive yourselves, verse 18 of chapter 3. If anyone who thinks he is wise by the standards of this age, you should become a fool so that he may become wise, the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. The wisdom of this world, be wise in Christ. Be wise in the Lord. I'm thinking now of Proverbs. All of chapter 3 is just fabulous. Enjoy. And then finally in chapter 4, you'll see on Saturday, 1 Corinthians 4, 1 through 7 on your post. So then, men are to regard as the servants of Christ and those entrusted with the secret things of God. Now, it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. I've got to prove faithful. You that are in Christ, that know Christ, that are faithful witnesses, you and I need to be faithful to the Lord. My conscience is clear. I hope all of us can say that. My conscience is clear. Verse 4, but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. Remember I talked about the judgment? Romans 14, 12. All right. So God is going to bring to light what is hidden in darkness and expose the motive of our hearts. You want to be ready. You want to be prepared. 1 Corinthians 1, 2, and 3, fabulous. First part of 4, tremendous book. Enjoy. In Matthew chapter 4, 1 through 11, of course, is the famous scene where the devil tempts Jesus in the wilderness. And Jesus says in verse 4 of chapter 4, man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, if you could do that and I could do that, you'd be great. We do not live, although it looks like we do, on, what, on eating three meals a day or a couple of meals a day, but true eating, eternal eating, eternal life eating is every word that comes from the mouth of God. So Satan has three famous temptations, and Jesus responds to those temptations through three scriptures from the book of Deuteronomy. Then he calls his first disciples in chapter 4, 18 through 22, chapter 4, 
18 to 22, and he heals the sick. Look at verse 23. He goes throughout Galilee. He teaches in their synagogues. He preaches the good news of the kingdom. He heals every disease and sickness among the people. The news spread all over the place. He healed various diseases. People that were demon-possessed, epileptics, paralytics, healed them all. Here come the large crowds. Chapter 4 is very good in Matthew. Very good. Sometimes overlooked. Jesus is tempted by Satan. How would you like to be tempted by Satan? No holes barred, 40 days and 40 nights. I don't know if you and I could last for 30 minutes. Now, in Christ, we could, but not by ourselves. Then he begins to preach the gospel and speak the gospel. He calls his disciples to come around him. He's going to teach them for his three-year period. And then he's going to do a tremendous amount of ministry in, in and around Galilee. In chapter 5, and we'll look at chapter 6 and 5 next time uh, in proper 20, we are looking at the Sermon on the Mount. Now, the Sermon on the Mount is a very famous um, teaching of Jesus's, and he illustrates the power of his teaching in these amazing verses in 5, 6, and 7. He begins with the famous Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom of heaven, verse 3. Blessed are those who mourn, they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, they will inherit the earth. I mean, you can think about these for the rest of your life. Blessed are the merciful, they will be shown mercy, verse 7. Blessed are the pure in heart, they will see God, verse 8. Blessed are you when people persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me, verse 11. Rejoice and be glad, you got a great reward in heaven. Rejoice and be glad. Well, we're called to be salt and light in verse 13. We're called to be the light of the world in verse 14. Let your light shine before man so they can see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So, great biblical truths in the, in the, uh, with the Beatitudes. How am I supposed to live as salt of the earth? How am I supposed to live as the light of the world? How am I supposed to live? Let your light shine before men. And finally, on Saturday, chapter 5, 17 to 20, he talks about the law, which is a fantastically large subject because the law was so important in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy, as you know. Ten Commandments. And then he talks about the Pharisees and the accomplishing of the law and what we should do in regard to the law. And he has a very wonderful verse, verse 20. I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. So he talks about people that believe the law and try to live the law, but their righteousness is not very good. And so he's going to say more about that. He's going to uphold the law. He's going to say positive things about the law. But in order to keep the law, we need to know Christ and be led by the Holy Spirit, as I said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. These, this is a great week from 1 Kings and 2 Kings, Elijah and Elisha, and of course Paul's opening words, opening chapters to 1 Corinthians, which are just wonderful. And then we continue our journey with Jesus, and we'll be there for a while in the book of Matthew. Enjoy your reading. I pray that God will speak to you abundantly, and we look forward to talking to you next week from Proper 20. God bless you.